Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside Gangster Pete in the HomeLoanExpert.com studio. So I want to give the background on what this episode is. This uh, this happened organically. And, um, and now that I have uh, had the conversation with our guest, Alvin Mack, uh, I couldn't be any happier with the way that this all happened. Um, so here's the background. Uh, hosting the Ryan Kelly morning after this morning. And this morning was Monday, June 1st, 2020. Uh, I knew going into the show that we were not going to talk about George Floyd and the protests. Uh, now some people may be disappointed in that and that's fine. I, I, I understand. I don't really fault anybody for it doesn't matter I, I know my reasoning and my reasoning isn't because I don't want to talk about it uh, I didn't think it would necessarily be a great discussion I knew that I would still be at my house doing the show Doug would still be at his house doing the show and then the cat plowboy Iggy and gangster Pete would all be in the studio as the radio station still has some semblance of uh, social distancing for the shows going on and they're kind of staggering back us all coming into the studio at the same time uh, for a at least a couple of weeks from now. And I just, I, I just didn't want to get into it. And you go, oh, you don't want to get into it, you know. But uh, if you listen to the Ryan Kelly Morning After, you also know that I haven't really talked about the coronavirus in April or May either. Um, that's not a coincidence. That has been by design. I enjoyed talking about it in March. And then it became this political thing where if you're from one mindset, uh, you view it one way. And if you're from another mindset, you view it another way. And the texts we would get would be, it's not that they, that like, I'm like, Ooh, this is scary how upset this person is because I've seen this kind of stuff before, but it just wasn't productive. And we weren't really discussing the topic. We were discussing what was true and what was false. And then I would get some hate mail. And again, that's not the reason I stopped, but just all of the things. It was just, it was, as I've said on this podcast a few times, I have, uh, n this has been my least amount of enjoyment hosting TMA uh, going back to 2007, the last few months. Again, in part because we're all not in the same room and, and then also what's going on. And What's going on, of course, is a negative, but not feeling like I can talk about it on the show is the thing that bothers me the most, I think. So what I've done, if you are a listener of the podcast, you know this, is I talk about these topics on the podcast. And so I was planning on talking about George Floyd and the protests 
on the podcast this week in questions from the audience. And uh, in the thread on the TMA fan page, where um, the person had expressed their disappointment in us for not talking about it, um, I said, you know, I will talk about it on the podcast. And our guest today, Alvin Mack, um, said, well, if you're going to talk about it, I would love to be part of the discussion. And I thought, perfect. You know, how quickly can you do it? And can it work for Pete's schedule and so on and so forth? I'm flexible. And man, he must've posted that at like 11, 1130. And we were in a studio, um, a studio together at 1245. Uh, so I'm very grateful to Pete for coming back to the studios and for Alvin coming to the studios. I was just planning. I thought he was going to be on the phone and I would do it from my place and Pete would, would record it, but, uh, we all wound up getting in the studio and, and doing it. And, and here's my reasoning for it. I can, let me start here. And I say this to Alvin, you'll, you'll hear us discuss it. Uh, what I've seen on Instagram and Twitter, I guess it's because in, and, and, and by that, I mean like these companies and people issuing statements and all that stuff. I guess it's a good thing. I, but, but I'm looking at, I'm going, okay, it's bullshit. And that's why I'm kind of like, I, and I guess, I guess it's better than issuing a, a negative statement, so to speak. But it's just like, I, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's really done from a genuine place for the most part. And so I see him and I go, oh, you know, now we know you're not a bigot. I mean, great. I don't, I just don't, I don't know. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm the president of Inside STL. Should I send out a tweet? I just, that's just not, you know, it's not. That's not where I am. And I don't know. I don't know if I need to, to get there, but that's not where I am. Cause I don't think it, I don't think it really does anything. And I think it's a way to kind of jerk, jerk people off. And I'm not really uh, in the business of, uh, of that. So when Alvin offered, I thought, okay, this will be good because this actually will be productive. This will do something. I'm still not going to send out a tweet talking about how appalled I am or write some vapid bullshit thing. That'll get a bunch of likes. Um, this will serve a purpose here, knowing, at least thinking that the vast majority of the audience on the podcast is 20, 30, 40, 50, something, uh, white people. Um, let's, let's hear from somebody who many people who listen to the show are familiar with, um, and hear what he has to say as an African American and what his views are. What's his background? Because I think that's important. And then in addition, what his experiences are as he watches this, what his experiences have been, and then how he wants to handle it as the father of a 15-year-old. 15-year-old, you know, what, high school sophomore, I would imagine. Um, and, And what that experience is like. Because... You know, anytime I, I get frustrated when people say, well, how come you're not doing this with the show? And then I go, well, you're not in my spot. You don't know, you know? Okay, well, I'm not an Alvin spot. And I would imagine for a lot of you, you have no idea what this is what this is like. And I'm not saying heal the world here, you know, or think this way. I'm just saying, here, here's a man's story. Here's a man's perspective. And it's a different perspective than mine. So for Alvin to come in and have this conversation, it just... He deserves the credit. If anybody uh, wants to offer credit, he deserves the credit. And Pete deserves the credit for coming back out to the studios, you know, on super short notice because uh, it doesn't happen 
without Alvin coming up with the idea and Pete uh, coming back here to record it because I was just going to be a question from the audience and I figured I'd talk about it and it would be the same shit you've probably heard over the last three or four days with people saying for the most part, essentially the same things, but just trying to do it in a more, you know, eloquent way, I suppose. But, you know, this, from my standpoint, this is the way I, I like to do it. And Alvin uh, came up with the idea. He offered to come in and God bless him for doing it. And you're going to hear his perspective, also his life experiences. And, um, and I'm just super grateful. So uh, our guest this week is, uh, is Alvin Mack, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Thank you to Mark for being a loyal sponsor of this program. Uh, he is online at evergreenstl.com. Evergreenstl.com is where you find Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And uh, if you are looking for a financial advisor, with a major recommendation, I say, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, you will feel better about things after you get a chance to talk to him. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Our studio sponsor is Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com is who I went through to refinance just 40 days ago. And what that has done for me in my face, as a matter of fact, I guess I made my first payment. I didn't have a payment on May 1st because I refinanced. So there's an advantage. But in addition, my payment, I was going, man, this is this is saving me. And I and can't do the dollar figure, uh, but I know the percentage. And it's saving me more than 20%. I think it's about 22% is the actual number. And I'm just like, why didn't I do this before? And then on top of it, it was so easy. It was so easy. Uh, just in a major way, I recommend it. Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Online at thehomeloanexpert.com. He has his staff. Just They just all work so well together. It's Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is a wonderful sponsor of the podcast. Online at carltoninsurance.net. He is my insurance agent, and I recommend he become yours as well. You'll be very happy with James Carlton. We made the switch because we were impressed with James just from interacting with uh, the advertising and then a couple of people said, man, he really is good. And I was like, I'm having a couple issues with my current place. I got to make the switch. I was making a few different switches. And I'm like, I, my obligation is to take care of my wife and my son. And this puts us in our best spot. James Carlton, 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If you're buying a home, after you get pre-approved with Ryan Kelly, be sure to get a quote from a top agency and provider of the number one home insurer in North America. 90% of homeowners in Missouri escrow their home insurance with their mortgage and have no idea what they're paying or what they're covered for. Call James today to make sure your biggest asset is protected. It's James Carlton, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. Uh, and uh, Design Air Heating and Cooling. Seth Goldcamp and his staff have done an incredible job uh, becoming really the official HVAC provider of the Ryan Kelly Morning After and the go-to for our audience uh, here on the Tim McKernan Show, and you, and you should. See in the forecast now, temperatures getting toward the 90s. If you're having air conditioning issues, go to designairservice.com. They're the official HVAC provider of the Ryan Kelly Morning After and also the Tim McKernan Show podcast. It's Design Air, heating and cooling online at designairservice.com. Com. And a new sponsor of the podcast is Restoration One. Welcome aboard to Jim Rogers. I talked about how we've had people come in and save the day with my basement. 
one of them was James Carlton as far as the process of the claim. And that was so smooth. That's when I became a believer in James Carlton because now I was dealing with it and he was fixing it. But when you first, this is, this is what I want to drive home to our audience. Anytime you have an issue and the cleanup process, first off, stopping the bleeding, getting, figuring out how, where the, where the water's coming in, in the basement and then ending that. And then the cleanup process. Cause I didn't know. And I bet most people don't have a go-to. You don't think of somebody you're like, okay, who do you know? And you like, you text somebody and they go, well, I know this company advertises, you know, I think I've seen them here. I've got somebody for you. I've got a name and I've got a number. And so just save it in your phone. So you have it. If you ever deal with this restoration, one of central St. Louis leaders in disaster restoration for your home or business, specializing in water damage, mold remediation, fire and smoke restoration, and COVID disinfecting. The week leading up to my return from Florida in March of 2019, we had a record rainfall. We had my window well going all kinds of crazy and water coming in. And uh, James Carlton, as a matter of fact, recommended Jim Rogers in Restoration One. Um, and he was there for 12 hours fixing my basement on his birthday. Jim Rogers, Restoration One. The Sea Monster, our uh, producer uh, from a few years ago, is a client. James Carlton himself is a client. Mark Milton is a client. Matt Rocchio's mom is a client. And a handful of uh, fan page members are clients. And a little-known fact, and this is important to know, when disaster strikes, the choice is yours, not your insurance companies. While there is more than one Restoration One in town, Choose to do business with Jim at Restoration One of Central St. Louis, serving the entire metropolitan area on Restoration One of Central St. Louis.com. That's Restoration, the number one of Central St. Louis.com, or call 314 888 5266, Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Uh, welcome aboard. New sponsors here of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. So, setting the stage now, Alvin Mack. My guest, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. I wanted to get his perspective, his life experience, and have an honest and open discussion on the George Floyd situation and the ensuing protests. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest this week here on the Tim McKernan Show, a friend of the show, Alvin Mack. Alvin Mack is in studio, and Alvin... Um, to give uh, the listeners who are not familiar with Alvin a little background, Alvin is a lo loyal TMA listener who uh, has been a part of some of our events and um, and is active on our TMA fan page on Facebook and uh, and volunteered to come in for uh, for this podcast, and I'm very grateful for it. Alvin, thank you so much for coming in. It's great to see you, man. Appreciate having me there, and, uh, you know, let's talk. Yeah. Let's dive down that rabbit hole. Let's get get it going so you are uh african-american gentleman went yes. to afton high school correct? correct yes sir uh i have no idea how old you are you, you I can am tell 47. me 47 okay i, yeah. I would have gone like four, right right around my age 40 so you're 47 okay. i'm 43 all, all right. right so where'd you grow up i grew up in the projects of the vaughn housing projects down off of uh cass uh, i forget the street's been so long but i'm literally you could probably throw 10 rocks and hit downtown St. really so i was down there by blue Meyer. so, so cast so just a little bit to the north of downtown yes, right okay yes, yes, all right yes, yes. all right and so then you were 
part of the DSEG program, program to go yep. to Afton. Go to Afton. All right. So let's start there. Okay. What was that experience like? So you're going there like in the mid late eighties, mid late eighties, right? Um, so my mom, I would have, I would have attended Vashon High School, and my mom, all my family members attended Vashon, and my mom was like, you know, I want better for you. I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can to get you out of here. And I think at the time, I think Kirkwood was on that list of schools I could have uh, attended. But for some reason, I went went to Afton. Didn't know Kirkwood. Didn't know Afton. Didn't know any of these county schools. I chose Afton. And uh, started there when I was in sixth grade. And like you say, you know, you're the small fish in the big pond. And it came with some racism. I mean, you know, it, it was nothing that I had ever experienced. I have never seen or been around white people mm -hmm. until the DSEG program. Mm -hmm. and, so when you say you experience racism, mm -hmm. you're, what, about 12, 13 years old, I guess, mm -hmm. if you're in sixth grade. What, what was the experience like? What, and I'm not talking about like the pain. I'm talking about what would you hear? What would be done? Luckily for me, it wasn't so many fights. It was, I didn't, I didn't go through that as much, but it was a lot of talking. It was a lot of the N word, you know, it was, it was basically known that you weren't really allowed here, so to speak, but it wasn't bad. I didn't get into a lot of fights. I'm, you know, I don't mm -hmm. have that story where. People were beating me, but then again, I wasn't a small guy. Right. So yeah, they were gonna mess so, with you. Yeah. So, so how many how many other black guys were in your class at Afton? <sighs> wow. So basically, when we went to school, we basically we all took the short bus. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> no pun intended, but we were all on the short because you could fit. Right. You know, all probably maybe at the time, maybe fifteen kids were on okay. my bus. Okay. And how big is the class? You remember? Ballpark. I don't remember per se, but I would say in my classroom, probably if I was one black, I would probably be two at the most. Okay. All at right. the most. All I right. See. And so would you guys hang out together and would the white kids hang out together or were, did you have some white friends that were some people welcoming, whereas other people might not have been? How did it, how did it play out at that time? At that time... Like I said, it was difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm going along. I'm trying to go way, way back because I have more of a high school, you know, clarity than mm -hmm. I do then. But back then, it was it was just a fog. You know, I didn't know where to go, where to sit, who because even the black people, you didn't, I mean, you didn't know them. You didn't either. know them either. Yeah. yeah, you didn't know them either. So you again, you know, you're literally a lone wolf, and being black you know we do we did gravitate to each other but then again you know some people you just don't get along with regardless of skin color mm -hmm. but there were some accepting white people during that time and, and, and it wasn't a horrible experience for me per se i've you know you've always you, know, you have that many people you're going to get some bad apples mm -hmm. so to speak but mm -hmm. overall it was generally Decent. Okay. I won't say it was horrible, wasn't great, but it was decent okay. for me. Okay. Well, for you me. stayed yes. and went through and, and went to high school there. Oh, my mom was not. Yeah, she was determined that I stay. <laughs> and why? And why was that so Because important? it was, it was, she wanted better. She just wanted, she knew what that school system would afford versus the school system I would have attended. And like mm -hmm. I said, I would have attended Vashon High School mm -hmm. if I would have stayed in the public. Um, so, high school. A lot, so a lot of your friends in your neighborhood mm -hmm. went to Vashon, I guess. Yeah, and, but then they were also being bust. Okay. You know, I forgot one of my better friends, he went to Melville mm -hmm. and so on. So a few people 
were sending their kids along with that desegregation program. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, they all, you know, gravitated to Vashon High School. But yeah, so the most part, everybody went to Vashon. Were things as okay in high school or did you notice things getting better, getting worse? What was it like for high school? Because I attended uh, junior high, I kind of cut my teeth, so to speak, with those people and went to high school. High school for me, I wish I had the horror stories that, that most people probably could tell, but high school was pretty good for me. That's good. You know, like at the time, I was the first black ever homecoming king for after, and that was- Were you really? Yeah, so- my high school experience was pretty good, right. considering what others probably have gone through. But I, it, Afton's so small, so it's a it's it's clicky, but it's 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 hard to describe. It's mm -hmm. it's it's not real big, so mm -hmm. everybody kind of knows everybody, and it's such a small n group network or whatever you want to call it. That I just didn't have that big of a big of big of a problem at Afton. Okay, not to say it didn't exist. Because you did have, you do have people, you know, with their own views, but I just didn't see. But what it. is it? So, so for it. for 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 me, for Pete, mm -hmm. for I would imagine a you know the vast majority of the people who are most likely uh, listening, um, you know, we can't. That's what I wanted. That's what I want to do in this podcast mm -hmm. is try to understand. So when you say it's not bad, you know, there are people with some their views. You know, I mean, for me, that's like, I mean, what what does what does that actually mean as far as your experience when you say they have their views? I mean, is their views going, you know, fuck off, get out of the, get out of the, you know, right. guy who you don't belong here? Or is their view like dropping an N-bomb? Or is their view you just, you can clearly tell you're not welcomed at their table at lunch? I mean, what is it? Honestly, I think the, my biggest, uh, adversary was, adversary was sports, sports. Was my end. What were you? What were you playing? I was a linebacker, running back, all state linebacker. Really? Yeah. So that was my end. You know, you're the big man, so to speak, in quotes on campus. Okay. Like, but I didn't. You know, I got along with everybody. You know, I that was just my personality. But I've got a, I've got a mean streak as well. So I wouldn't I wouldn't take a lot of shit. Right. But I'd rather make friends than enemies. And I, I so happened to make a lot of friends. So it, it was a little, my high school was easy for me. It was easy for me. I mean, like I said, I don't have horrific stories from high school to tell you because high school was easy for me as, as far as the social mm -hmm. aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Cause I got along with everybody. Where do you go from Afton? Um, I went to play college Juco football and so to speak, I had a letter. I had my mom made me take the test for the post office as a safety net, just mm -hmm. in case things didn't work out. I got the call from the post office saying, your number's up, you know, and I had a decision to make. Do I finish school? Do I work the post office? You know, fast forward now, I'm in the post office, and I don't regret the decision. Mm -hmm. But going back to your point, fast forward, I've experienced racism more outside of high school than I have while in high school. Because at the time in high school, I dated probably one of the most beautiful girls in the school at the time. Now, I know that ruffled a lot of white guys' feathers. 
So she's oh, yeah. a white girl. Yes. This is cutting edge shit in the 1980s yeah. and after. Very. Wow. Very. So what was that experience like? That experience. Well, we we actually went to uh, prom together, but I could not pick her up. Why couldn't you pick her up? Because her parents did not know we were dating. Now, this story is I've never seen you. you get like a stand, like did, was Pete in the prom picture instead of you? I mean, what, what, who is it? Um, a friend of mine picked her up oh. and delivered her to me, so to speak. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> guess I was cucked, right? Is that a cuck situation? Where, where's the plowboy in Yeah, is that a cuck situation? Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, she was delivered to me. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, of course, all of your classmates know. Oh, yeah, all my classmates know she but was But her there. parents don't know. Parents That's the know. issue. That's the issue. Yes. Was she the one saying you can't pick me up, or are you like, I don't want to pick you up? No. No. Uh, let's just say she's uh, from an Italian family. Okay. And the, the, you don't Ooh. think that that would have played? Oh, that wouldn't have. That would not have played. That well. would not have played well. Would have not Picture have Joe well. Pesci talking yeah. about Nat King Cole and Goodfellas, I guess, to try to tie it all all, all together. No. So you, you're you prom king. Yes. Going out with oh, the most beautiful. I'm homecoming king. Okay. I don't even know the homecoming king. Yeah. Homecoming king. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you're obviously high school is a pretty positive experience. Yes. But then things change, at least in some capacity, mm-hmm. and you start to experience it more. Oh, yeah. How are you? You experiencing leave the bubble. More? Yeah. Now you're in real world. Mm-hmm. Now you're in the real world. And how are you experiencing it more? So okay, first situation, I'm in my uniform, and as I'm as a postal worker. Yes. Yes. I'm having lunch with my girlfriend at the time. Now there was same a, girl. No, no, this is a different girl. White girl. Yes. Okay. It's a pattern here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Your product of your environment. So, but <laughs> so we're having lunch, and I'm in my uniform. She meets me at the. I remember it's like it was yesterday. We're at the Wendy's, and there used to be a Wendy's on the corner of Gravoy and Tesson Ferry. Okay. So, and I used to live at Heritage Estates. That was the first apartment I had. So I was there, and uh, we're having lunch. And there's a guy eating, and as he begins to walk up, for some reason, out of the side of my eye, I, I, lock, I lock eyes with this guy, and he's walking towards the exit. He has a tray of food on this tray. I guess it was an uneaten cheeseburger or whatever. Picks it up, throws it at our table, and says, this disgusts me, and runs out. Now, when you say he runs out, like he literally after he threw oh, yeah. it, he oh, so, so it's a, it's a bitch move. Beelines right out the door, and, and as I look out, there's a bicycle leaned up against the glass or whatever. Gets on it and leaves. Well, as I get up, I'm chase. I'm chasing the dude. Oh, Luckily, you, oh yeah, <laughs> I get up, instinct, fight or flight. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. fight or flight. Right. Instantly, I fight. So I get up and I'm chasing the guy. He gets on his bike, and luckily, I'm glad I did not catch the guy. Because it would not have probably ended well for me. I'm wearing my uniform. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. I'm in full uniform, working. And if I catch this guy, I beat the hell out. It's a no, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's just all bad for me. Right. So, and that is, I'm glad I did not catch the mm-hmm. guy. But that, you know, those things kind of set the mood. Because like, they just set the tone. And it ruins her day. Right. It ruins my day. And here we are. 47 now. Yeah. This happened early 20. It's it's, it's still there. Still there I, I can still tell this story like it happened last week. Wow. You know, so it's just things like that that 
most people wouldn't even dream of that happening. And that's the thing. So that that's what I, I want these kinds of stories that, yeah. you know, as we talk about it, try to have a grasp of what it's like right. uh, and an understanding and some semblance of, of empathy. So you, you continue to progress and still with the Postal Service yes. here, what, 25 plus years, I gather. It's got to be. Oh, no, yeah, 26. Then, 26 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you delivering mail in white neighborhoods and then people I like, am predominantly uh, white neighborhoods. Okay. Do you ever experience or people like, ah, oh, he's a he's a postal worker, everything's cool? Unfortunately, oh, oh I should say fortunately, no. Uh -huh. The uniform does carry a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. You know, it does carry a lot of weight and uh for and that aspect and here's another thing about about the whole racism thing. Like we're talking we're Let's rewind the clock back a little bit. When I was in my twenties and say early thirties, I, you know, I was I was hitting the gym, so I was you know I was I was a pretty big dude, mm -hmm. like I was pretty big and cut. Racism is usually a cowardly thing, you know. It's it's especially when you're talking mano y mano. So I didn't experience a lot of like you'd have to be either on some good fucking drugs or bad shit crazy to like think you're going to just walk up to me <laughs> and, and 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 say the things that are truly on your mind. Right. I'm telling you, man, the, the, the dog avatar of 2020 is the white hood of 1920. Mm -hmm. It's a way to hide. Right. It's a way to hide. I, I really, I mean, I really, like you said, it's, it's a cowardly act. So people yeah. aren't going to be running up to you. And going, hey, motherfucker, right. get the hell out of here. Right. But they will in a group setting, in a group, I suppose. Absolutely. That's how it'll work. Yeah. That's, 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 and it's that's how it has worked, and that's how it does work now, and that's how it will continue to work. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't see any any uh, change in that. So here's the reason why I've gone into, you know, your high school years mm -hmm. and your, your professional career and, and, and why we're having this discussion. And I want to lay this out for our audience. You hear Alvin's story. Uh, Alvin is a is a guy, you know, uh, a guy from the north side. I'm a guy from the south side with different life experiences. I guess I could have gotten a politician on mm -hmm. uh, and gotten a perspective, but I wanted two people talking, trying to understand and knowing that everybody has good intentions and no fucking agenda. I mean, we're just going to say what we think. And it's not like I'm going to like can it to like jerk people off and go, oh, that was a wonderful thought, Tim. And I know you're not going to can it to mm -hmm. jerk people off. So here's out. You're not some angry man. No. You know, you've had a pretty good experience, but with some negative Considering moments. where I came from, right. I shouldn't yeah. be here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, that's just facts. And so I, I wanted to, I wanted to lay that out All for right. people who are listening on, oh, well, we're going to get a black guy in and he's going to bitch about mm -hmm. everything. That is, you hear Alvin's story. You've heard Alvin's story here for 15, 20 minutes. Secondarily, um, I felt like if we did have somebody in who, whether it be a politician, a public figure of some mm -hmm. semblance, that they might you know, say something or some things that that's vapid, empty language that will sound good. I feel like I've seen a lot of that over the last 48, 72 hours. Honestly, it's turning me off. Yeah. Uh, corporations and teams feeling that in universities feeling the need to issue statements. Do you like seeing that by the way? Do you like it? Or do you, do you feel like, I don't know. I, I see it. And I'm just like, God, it's so, I hate, I actually, now I'm, I'm white guy from South city. Yes. So I want to always, of course, right. contextualize this, but I'm just like, the reason it, I don't know if it bothers mm -hmm. me is that it just seems so 
empty. Yes. That's how I view it. Do I, you like seeing it? I believe I do like seeing it. Okay. I why? Because it, it has to be said. The problem is not the message. It's what we do with the message. You know, I we can preach, you know, unity, equality, but if it's just empty words, we're just going to keep repeating it until we actually follow up mm-hmm. and do something about it. That's where change comes. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I firmly believe that it will, we as, a, as, as black people cannot change this. It is people like you. It is the younger white generation. It is the people that are in, in, in position of power to change this. We cannot do this by ourselves. We do not have the resources. We do, we've been preaching as long as I've been alive. <laughs> we've been marching and preaching as long as I've been alive still marching and preaching, nothing. You know, I've I've always said the biggest threat to a racist person is white people joining black and brown people in arms, saying black lives matter. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest threat to white supremacy ever because black people gathering, you know, unifying, that's no threat to them. That is no threat. It's when me and people like me and you and the kids behind us lock arm in arm saying we're going to make a change. That's that's when you start seeing the threat. You're seeing an incredible amount, at least I think mm-hmm. you do. Let me ask you this. I don't want to just all, all, my opinion. You're seeing an incredible amount of support. Is it your opinion? You're seeing an incredible amount of support. Or do you not see it that way? Support yeah, in this instance, in this, yes, in this yes, instance, because specifically actually, over the last 72 because hours, because I so. actually am seeing officers yeah saying yeah this is bullshit yeah yeah i'm actually seeing these people come out and no longer you know protecting the shield so to speak mm-hmm. so they're actually saying this is bullshit so you know, this is wrong that makes you feel like this time it is in some respects different is that fair to say or you don't i would say different yes but again that's lip service right right you know? right 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 now until we follow it up it's just it's just words. So there's so many questions about what has taken place um, with George Floyd mm-hmm. over the last week as we bring it now to current day and our conversation that I want to get your perspective on. Um, and, and what I feel like in some capacity becomes the focal point. Uh, well, look at the looting, you know, and then, then, then it becomes, well, now we're taking our eye out the ball. Um, so there's just a bunch of different things I want to... Let's start with the actual video. You okay. see that video. Yes. Your, your, your first reaction is what? Before I answer that, I want to go back to a point that we were talking about the early uh, racism that I faced, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So my thing was, it wasn't so that I personally experienced the racism head on. It was the women that I dated faced it. The white women so. faced it more yes, than you did. Because of dating me. That was the thing. Wow. Because see, the guys wouldn't come up to me directly right, and right, say, right, right. you know, what the hell are you doing, blah, blah, blah. Because either that, you know, either right. you're looking for an ass whooping or something. <laughs> they would go to the women. And what would they say? say? You know, oh, you're a nigga lover. You know, what the fuck? You know, we're not good enough for you. Why are you born with that black guy? You know, it, it's, it's that. Thing. Was, this they, high, was this high school? Was this after high school? Or was it more of it? This is when basically 
I would say probably high school on. Okay. I, you know, I didn't date much in middle school. I mean, I was, I didn't know much of anything. Right, right. School, but to it find did start in high school. It yeah, did start, so it did happen. Even though you were popular, clearly where popular. Where you find women that are interested, they take the, they take most of the heat from that, yeah. that standpoint of being attacked mm -hmm. by their own race, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, because I didn't, they didn't approach me directly head on. Okay. You know, but right. the women, the women were the ones that 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 uh, got the backlash. Okay. All right. Well, then that makes sense. Yeah. So from that standpoint, bringing it to current day, okay. you see that video. What is what is the first thing? What are you feeling? What are you thinking as you see that? Here we go again. Yeah, no. Here we go again. Yeah, no. It's it's you know as I say. Here we go again. Now what? We are, I already know what's coming. And I when know you what's say coming. you know it's coming, what's I coming? I know what's coming. What's coming? Tell me what's coming. We are going to protest. We are going to probably see looting. We're going to see things destroyed. Well, you knew that right away. I, I knew. <laughs> no, you know when I knew it? I knew it when they didn't arrest, make arrests yeah. immediately. Right. When they held off on the arrest and people started protesting, it seemed to like a light a fire under, you know, the district attorney's or whatever office or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, here we go. You know, it, it's going down. It's so going you knew down. this a while yeah, ago. Yeah, I knew because, you know, and there's still three more arrests that haven't been made. And Do you I feel like those, absolutely. you feel like they should be arrested? Absolutely. Okay. And, and what is your, I mean, this isn't a challenge. Mm -hmm. I want to hear your perspective. What is your reasoning for why they the other They aided in the guy's death. Did not, did not stop. Did not, they, I just, I don't know if you see, but there's another video that captures them holding the guy down as a knee is on his mm -hmm. neck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, what more? I mean, when a guy cries out, I can't breathe, crying yeah. out to his mother. Right, I mean, right. what more? He's I, already handcuffed at that. So, I mean, what more do we need? I honest, I can't, I can't wrap my head around how that goes on. That's that's where I am. And whereas you might be like, God, how can't you wrap your head? But, but that's the thing. That's why we're in here together mm -hmm. today. I can't wrap my head around how that goes on. I really would love to hear from a police officer mm -hmm. uh, to see what the, what he or she would say with regard to training, how it how it gets to that point. I just, I, for the life of me, I don't understand. I mean, I remember being in high school, Alvin, uh, and the Rodney King video was 91, mm -hmm. 92. And, you know, I'm at St. Louis U High. It's 98% mm -hmm. white. And I remember thinking to myself, I mean, how, like, there's no way these guys aren't going to be convicted. Like, it, it, in my mind, there's mm -hmm. no way, like, I'm thinking they're going to be convicted. Mm -hmm. Were you thinking back then they were going to be? Absolutely. Absolutely. Video, you I mean, thought you, they were, gonna, you you thought like, they were video, going to be convicted, like okay? Video, you're a like, younger man without right. as much experience. This is not like, hearsay. This is a video right, Absolutely. You. So and I thought, and then, then they weren't, and I'm like, holy shit. But then I also was like, well, what the hell is going on with the looting? You know, what is that all about? And I saw, you know, what was going on and. Where, where, where was those all over LA? I know, but in specific parts of South Central Los Angeles, and and then and then I feel like then what happens is the initial reason for the looting will then not become the focal point for a healthy percentage of the white population, and it'll be focused on well, yeah, but look at all the looting, you know, and then it becomes a you know I don't want to call it a bright shiny object because I'm kind of shitting on it, but it becomes like a distraction. Not I don't necessarily think it's intentional. I just think that's the way that the conversation then moves away from what took yes. place to well look at this. 
they don't even care about their own community. Yeah, we don't look at what led to mm-hmm. the steps that led to the looting. The looting is the last resort. It is the voice of the people, the cries of the people, period. You know. Were you ever around anything like that? Going I up was on the north never side? around anything like that. Yeah. No. That Ferguson, uh, Mike Brown. No, I was. No, I was. That was part of the latest. You were still living off cast, though, in 92 with the, not that there was looting in St. Louis. No, 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 no. No, no, no. 92? No. I was 92? Oh, 92, 92. I'm thinking we're both on the same high school. At that point, you're already out. Oh, I'm already out. So I'm thinking about like what it was like. Was there anything like that? Not, not, of course, to the South Central LA situation after the King verdict, but if there were any protests in St. Louis in 92, if there were, I don't remember anything about it, but that's (laughs) what I'm asking. No. So you and your peers, then what were you thinking when those officers were acquitted? What were they go to like some, they, they went to some outside of LA jurisdiction to have the case tried. I recall that. And they were acquitted. Were you just, were you, what was, what was your reaction? Well, at that then? moment it was shock. Cause at that point you thought, how, how can oh, man, it's, I mean, it's is a layup. Right. You know, we're not, this is not a three pointer. This right. is a layup. Yeah. This is a layup. And then, you know, we all kind of look at each other. And it's like, what, what's going on? What more do you need? Mm-hmm. You know, what more evidence? What, what else could you, what else could you do to get a conviction? Mm-hmm. And I think that's when doubt creeps in, you know, you start questioning the judicial system and I think you start planting seeds mm-hmm. and now these seeds are growing as, as that quote, you know, the chickens have come home to roost, roost. Yeah, you know, yeah. and this is a systematic problem. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, you know, figure this out, this is, I mean, it's, it's going to get worse. So with, with George Floyd okay. and what took place there, um, like I said, I can't, I can't wrap my arms around and I, that's why I kind of want to hear a, a police officer say, well, this is what we are trained to do just to have it just, and I know it it certainly is not a popular, uh, take, so to speak to say, I want to hear the other side, but I always want to hear the other side. It's the way, that's the way I am to understand like how, cause to me, it's just so with what I'm seeing, Mm -hmm. not even the reaction to it, but I'm seeing going, what are you doing? Like, I just, I can't wrap my arms around that. I can add this when that uh, video surfaced, I've got a cousin that's an uh, officer for the St. Louis Police Department. And I sent him a text. I go, is this what they teach in the department? Mm -hmm. His reply was, absolutely not. We teach knee in the back to restrain. We cuff. And that's that's it. Um, Knee to the joints, I believe, and the back. Mm -hmm. And once the guy has to do, that's it. You let up. You know, you cuff them, book them, let the judicial the dude, the judicial, judicial system, system yeah. play out, mm-hmm. and uh, that was his text, and that's what I that's what I wanted to know. You know, is this some kind of back, you know, new kind of technique that 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 you guys are teaching or train? He goes, absolutely not. Yeah. We do not teach knee to okay. the neck. All right, at right. any level. Well, that was great that you actually followed I did. up I on that. All right, at any level. And I will say this: when I um. Concerning where I live, and I live in Fenton. Uh, anytime I'm, anytime it's been a long time since I've been pulled over. When I'm pulled over, the first thing I do is I turn on a dome light. Because it was at night, I turn uh-huh. on a dome light, I roll my window down, 
I turn the stereo off. And my hands are on the steering wheel. Every time. Because I've got to make this guy at ease. You know, I don't want to give this guy any reason. So the officer comes up, and then what do you, how do you handle it from that point forward? Cordial. Cordial, yeah. Absolutely. Tone low, as if I'm speaking to you right now. Right. You know, my, I have to give this guy every benefit of that to not do any, to make him at ease. So, and it's weird that that my mind, that my mind has to go there. Cause I'm sure your mind doesn't go there. No, I'm, I'm you like, know, I wasn't speeding. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, you're probably yeah. got a cup in your hand, right. you know, yeah. totally one yeah. hand on the steering wheel, right. the other hand in the glove box. I got to make sure that I don't do anything. Until he asked, and I'm like, I'm going to go grab the registration or anything you need out of this glove box. Mm-hmm. And that's the things that people don't, that I don't want to say take for granted, but they overlook. That your experience is so vastly different. That you don't even blink. Right. You know, cop right. comes up to you. What do you want? Okay. Yeah. Here, man. Right. Boom. Right. You know, because I'm a threat. You know, just the skin alone is a threat. I mean, it is what it is. I understand this. You know, like I say, where I live, before we, before I even say a word, I know that my black skin is a threat to some people. You know, and if a cop comes up to my my car window at night, you know, chances are right or wrong, but he might feel his heart rate might race a little bit more than it would if it would be you that's pulled over. Same situation, yeah. circumstances. And I understand I understand that. You have a son, correct? Yes, I do. How old is your son? My son is 15. And I would imagine, just kind of having... In June, I'm sorry, June 19th, 15. Okay. Um, knowing you, knowing how much you... I mean, of course, everybody loves their children, mm-hmm. but I mean, I feel like you've you've po- had one of the best threads in the history of the yeah. fan page, I think, is that picture of you with your son, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, how much you love your your child, um, and a conversation that you may have to have, may eventually have, may have already had, that I will uh, probably never have with my son. No. You know what I'm talking Absolutely. about? Absolutely. Okay, so Absolutely. have you had the conversation? The beautiful thing about this situation that just happened, the uh, George Floyd, I'm watching this play out, mm-hmm. and uh, he comes out of his room, sits down, sits right next to me and just watches the whole thing. Now, I don't know, you know, this is a kid who lives on his PlayStation. As long as the Wi-Fi works, I don't see the kid. You know, the Wi-Fi works, I don't see the kid. But for some reason, I guess he felt compelled, I don't know what it was, that sit there and watch this whole thing play out. And I don't know, I was impressed by that, that I didn't have to make him understand what was going on. He felt compelled to want to see and learn. And we kind of talked about it. Mm-hmm. And what did you say? I'm sure he has, qu- I mean, I, you know, so my, my kid doesn't ask a lot of questions. He's very quiet. Uh-huh. So I'm the one that has to question, answer. Like I'll give him questions. Like, so you understand this, this, this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you understand why this, 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 this is important. Yeah. I, I got it. I got it. So, He's cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's a cool guy. But that's fifteen. But he understands what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, he understands what's going on. You know, he's the, you know, he's the kid who doesn't want to cut his hair. He's got the big poofy curly fro. You know, he's, you know, that, you know, that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids at his school are doing it now. So, 
for your son's sake, when you see this stuff playing out, mm -hmm. I would imagine that's where your greater concern is than for yourself. That he, you know, when he's driving here in a year Absolutely. or two, you know, that he could have a negative experience. He has to understand how to handle the situation. What is your yeah, thought on that? He has to understand it as well because see, my son's half white also. So he's, you know, he uh, definitely has to understand the side that uh, I come from. And any good father, it's my job to, uh, to tell him, but I don't want to, I don't want to instill fear in my child either. You know, I want him to still be a kid, but mm -hmm. be aware, right? you know, be a kid, go have fun, but just understand in certain situations, this is how we have to do things. Mm -hmm. You know, you get pulled over hands up, you know, you don't move, turn your dome light on. If it's at night, you know, these are the things, but other than that, go be a kid, yeah. have fun. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to instill fear. And, 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 you know, I don't want him to be afraid of, 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 of cops. You know, they, they should be his ally. You know, I don't want him afraid of cops. Yeah. With the protests and then the looting, the criticism certainly has, has come. And it hasn't just come from, you know, white people. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw Killer Mike. You posted that video. That guy's ability money. Money, to... Money to speak off the cuff Very it was eloquent. like he was like Very reading eloquent. i mean it was it was brilliant as far as the ability to articulate whether one agrees with what he was saying or not it was just an awe of his ability off to the speak cuff. <laughs> off the cuff man uh mayor keisha lance bottoms mm -hmm. of uh, saw, atlanta her speech yeah uh there have been a number of people who have said some things that uh, i think people who may come from different backgrounds have really agreed with with regard to the looting when you see that when you see that what is your reaction I have taken, I've taken a, I don't want to say a different approach to the looting. I understand the looting. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's, it's the voice, man. It's, it's, you know, these stores, they'll come back. Targets will come back. It'll be bigger and better. I do not condone it, so to speak, but I understand it. I, I really understand. I, I totally understand when your voice is not heard. You know, if I, I can, I can talk to you and say, Tim, I need this. I need this. I need this. If you ignore me at some point, I take a hammer to your computer to get your attention. And this is where we're at now. Mm -hmm. And then you'll hear me, you know, I take a hammer to your computer. Now you want to talk, Yeah. you know, now we want to get some dialogue going, you know, and it's unfortunate it has to get to that, but it was a powder keg just waiting to happen. There, there's a shirt. Now, this, there's a picture of LeBron James. Are you familiar with this picture where it says, we march, y'all mad, we sit down, uh, y'all mad. We, uh, I can't recall because it's not, it's actually, it's Photoshopped. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we die, y'all silent. Uh, it's, I think we march, y'all mad, we sit down, y'all mad, we, we riot, I think is what it says. It's blocked where I am right now. Y'all mad, we die, y'all silent. Now, that it was digitally manipulated. Mm -hmm. I saw it and I thought to myself, you know, because there were some people, you know, again, it's Twitter and I lay low on Twitter, at least as of this moment. Right. But I see it and you have, you know, some people who, you know, probably uh, doesn't necessarily surprise you for focusing on the looting. I'm talking about, you know, television personalities, radio broadcasters and so on. The national level focusing on the looting. Mm -hmm. And then somebody, one of the responses was, well, 
remember when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, that was a silent protest. Uh, that was a problem. So uh, what, where, what is the appropriate do, protest? Exactly. And I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, what is the, what is the way that like, but I'm thinking, I don't no matter what, there will always be something. So like, is it like, okay, don't do it during the national anthem. <laughs> but then when we're on the sideline, just make sure we have a fist in the air. Well, right. is that disrespectful? How's that disrespectful? I, that's the thing. It's like, I, what is the, what is the best way to call attention? I'm asking for so, something that might not have an answer because there may not be an answer to it because no matter yeah, what it will be. Whatever you do, it's going to be the, that's it's not going to be the right way. It's going to be the right, wrong way. Right. That's what I'm right, saying. Right. You know, and that's 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 the core issue. That's why that's why I saw this. I'm like, I don't remember him wearing that shirt because it seems like it's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And then it, it did turn out to be. It was Photoshopped. Yeah. But with that said, the message provoked that thought that mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about. Then it gets it to this. Because somebody, uh, when uh, I posted that you were going to be coming into studio, uh, said, I would love it if you would have some government officials in um, or on. And I'm like, man, I just, I know what it'll, at least I think I know what it'll be. You know, and I, mm -hmm. I hold a number of these people in, in high respect. Like I saw Barack Obama wrote something uh, and I read it this morning on medium.com because he's done it. Mm -hmm. I respect it as opposed to like somebody, I'm like, oh, they might be just trying to angle to win an office or to, you know, win customers or something like that. What's his angle he's 61 former president you know he's right. in a pantheon amongst many people as far as a great president goes i recognize others don't feel that way mm -hmm. but the premise being he has nothing to gain he's just speaking because he cares that's how i take it anyway with that said i just wanted to get your perspective as as a man who who has lived it who's lived it at afton high school as a black man um and then ask the question that I don't know what the, I truly don't know what the answer is. And I don't know who knows yeah. the answer, by the way. What is the solution? Because the solution probably isn't necessarily, oh, here's what we do. Yeah. But yeah. it's a it's a process. Because even the most cynical person right now, I would imagine, would say that we are in a much better place now than we were 50 years ago. It's just a shame yeah. that it hasn't moved perhaps as right. much as it could have in the last 50 years. That's how I view it, but then again, man, I mean, I grew up in a lily white neighborhood mm -hmm. and I guess I'm still living in a lily white neighborhood mm -hmm. and don't experience this stuff. Yeah. How do you view it? You know, this, this is going to be a thing that my son will probably reap the, I, I'm not sure I'll reap the benefits from it. It's going to take time man. it took so many generations to get here. It's not going to be fixed in a year or two or five. We have to, again, plant new seeds and, you know, hope for a better crop. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just no simple solution. There's just no simple solution. Yeah. What do you I think is, is realistic? Because the thing that can get the... I, I don't know if you're going to have too many people going, no, I really get what the police officer was doing. I mean, you're not finding too much of that. I, I, I Are you seeing it? And let me ask you that. I, I'm, I don't want to build off a hypothesis that you might not see as the same as I do. Do you see a lot of support for the Minneapolis police officer or police officers? I, I don't, but at the same time, I might not be looking <laughs> looking for it. Yeah, I've, I've watched so much TV. I, I posted yesterday. I, I got to decompress. I, I got to I gotta take a break. And I, and I ended up <laughs> going over a friend's house in Kirkwood and had a good time. But I've watched so much TV. As far as the—see, the thing is about the cops is they're not condoning it. Right. So in that sense— it's helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, they are not condoning it. 
Now there's some new video where they got cops driving to protesters now. There's some new video out there surfacing. Oh, what, and, in Brooklyn and, the other night. Like that. Yeah. yeah, but you know, we'll we'll you know you can address that. You know, at, at a different time right now. But, for, but staying on the topic, which you which you asked me, I just I'm just not sure, Tim. I'm I'm, I'm really I'm really not sure because it's not it's not black and white, man. It's you know it's not you know if you give me a piece of paper and you say solve this equation, you know five times five, it, it's it's easy to do right, right. you know we're we are dealing with serious serious issues that i think we've just kind of brushed aside and then you know it's smoldering and it never got put out right right and it, it fires just gets bigger and bigger but change is going to come from uh you know people speaking out yeah. speaking not just speaking but doing something about it did you feel in 2008 when barack obama was elected that Things had really progressed that that moment was possible. Yeah, you did. That was okay. a, that was a good. So I don't know yeah. if that was just like as a as a you know no that was white guy going was, oh this is great was, and you're just uh, like no man it was still. a really sense of pride mm -hmm. you know that wow you know we can you know be you know achieve the highest position commander in chief right. And that 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 meant a lot. I mean, it felt good. Yeah. I mean, it was a good feeling as a black guy to see somebody that resembles me doing great things, achieving great things. So yeah, that was good. That was really positive. Well, the reason I ask that is I'm I'm wondering because to me it's just I'm going how like so many people are of the opinion that you know the world is on fire at this moment in 2020. You do have two substantial things merging at the same time and i'm wondering why and again this may, maybe it's an ignorant statement why this incident which is brutal and again i don't know i haven't found anybody going no hold on a second i think that was a, a the smart move on the cops part nobody again i'm sure there's probably somebody doing it i just don't see it why then it's applied more of a macro standpoint that oh shit this means we have gone backwards but is it the current climate overall as far as political discourse that makes people in other words if this would have happened in 2010 would people be as i don't know what the right word would be on edge or angry as i feel like people are right now and again i want to make it clear it's not to diminish the significance of the life lost or the mm -hmm. circumstances but to try to have a better understanding of it uh, my answer would be, where's the leadership, man? You know, times like these, where is the leadership from your president? Like, this is what being a leader is. It's not leaders, not about firing off witty tweets, but where's the leadership? You know, your country is literally self imploding. We need leadership, man. We need leadership on all levels from top to trickle down. Mm -hmm. leadership and so i'm curious when you say leadership let's try to go and play play out the hand i saw uh representative val demings who may wind up being uh joe biden's running mate uh african-american uh representative from uh central florida being interviewed yesterday and she was asked what she would do if she if the president called her mm -hmm. um what she would advise him to do 
And her answer was, at the very least, show some semblance of empathy and express your uh, sympathy to the family. Now, of course, he did call the family, but the family said the call was so quick that they didn't get a chance to talk, you know, and it just made them feel like, you know, the, the lack of empathy, mm-hmm. this, this trait that I do think is so important in, in, in leadership. If anything, the one thing that some would say that Joe Biden has, it's, it's, it's empathy. Um, so if you were, if the president called you and you're saying, I want to see some leadership, what would be things that would illustrate to you leadership that would, you would feel like start moving this thing forward? What would that look like? Leadership. Oh man. Tough one there. Uh, what would I like to see? See, it's it's not your it's eyes simple. open when I said empathy. Yeah, that, that certainly seems like it's it's one part. I, I, I don't I don't I don't, think I don't follow I don't him on Twitter, so I don't know what he's. I don't think tweeting. he's capable of empathy, and some people just aren't. It's not part of their makeup. It's just not an empathetic person. Mm-hmm. So where do you go from there? You know, when mm-hmm. the yeah. guy on top, the leader, isn't very empathetic of situations. That don't involve yeah, him. Like that. Don't, where I mean, do you again, go? Whether it's, whether it's Donald Trump, and I get what you're saying. Yeah, and I guess yeah, I mean, yeah. it, I realize we're talking specific to the president now because the president is who the president is at this moment. But even if he isn't necessarily mm-hmm. empathetic by nature or over the course of his life, what you have are you have people around you who fill the blind spot, so right. to speak. If you're not like when Barack Obama was running, the criticism was, well, he's not strong foreign policy. Okay, let's find a running mate who's strong in foreign policy. Okay. In other words, you have people around Surround you to you. advise you on how to handle a okay. situation. And, you know, and, and, and clearly there is. How do you surround yourself? If you don't want, yes if you don't man, want it, and if you question right. it, you're fired. Right. Uh, that's a fair so, point to it. That's well, a fair you, point. How to do you it. address that? Right. And I and that's why when when she said yesterday, it wasn't like, well, this policy needs to be enacted. This policy goes. I would just tell them to be em- empathetic. You know, that Goes would be that way. would be that would yeah. And that's it's, it's something. Way. So you know, in taking I guess it back to why we're having the conversation we're having. You know, I didn't want to talk about it on the radio show on mm-hmm. TMA. Um, and I'll give, you know, the reasons I think most people who listen to the radio show and listen to the podcast probably already know the reasons before I say it. Uh, you know, uh, and, and it, a, a gentleman posted a thread uh, saying he was disappointed that we didn't talk about it, um, which is totally cool. I appreciate him having the discussion, you know, and not sharpshooting. And, and it was, it was, you know, as you might imagine, it was not a coincidence we didn't talk about it. It was a conscious decision. Uh-huh. I enjoyed our shows in March where we were talking about the coronavirus, not because I enjoyed the circumstances, but I, it was an outlet. And then at some point, a couple of weeks in, or maybe even less, but I felt like it was a couple of weeks in, I felt like it became political. And then we weren't necessarily discussing the situation. We were discussing what was true and what was false. And it was easy to figure out who was going to say what was true and who was going to say what was false before right. they even opened their mouths or, or wrote anything like what we, you know, I can say on the fan page, I already know what, a, if I see who wrote it, what they're going to say, you know, before I even read it. To me, that's not a great radio and, and B it's not really uh, healthy for a dialogue here. I'm more comfortable talking about it, but I mean, what, again, my experience hasn't been your experience. And so you offering to come right. on and discuss it allows me to ask questions right. because to me, I need to ask more than sit here and pontificate as if I could possibly relate to what it's like for, 
African-Americans. And I don't speak for all black people because, you know, you'll have that segment. Well, he doesn't speak for me. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, I, you know he, he, I speak for myself. You know, he's whatever. Right. I don't speak I don't, for all yeah, assholes. I'm speaking for, for myself. The, the, you know, the stories that I'm telling you, the things that I've gone through are from my point. I'm not speaking for all black people. But I got a question for you, though. Pose. Pose your question. When you were growing up, did you have many or some or few black people? I did. Growing up as friends? It was, I have no idea. I really don't. It's an odd thing. For whatever reason, racism, I have been so hypersensitive, not to it for me as a white guy, mm -hmm. but to when I see it, when I hear it. It's, it's to a point now, I don't say now, it's, it's been going on for a while, like I'd have a few friends who would just be, you're kind of like just stand, it's not like like clan member bigots, mm -hmm. just latent racism, um, you know, would, would kind of casually drop N-bombs or just say, you know, this or that. And they know, not that I'm going to go, you know, slap the wrist. I don't say anything, but they just know that's not where I am. And I remember one time, this is about 11 years ago, uh, somebody, some people in our audience would know, not as an athlete or anything like that, but uh, owned a business. And, uh, and they were kind of, you know, I say, you know, doing the thing, but you probably don't know what the thing is, but I know what the thing is, you know, we're just kind of saying some shit and it's just, it's just super ignorant, but it's all, I mean, I've heard it for a while. So it's just like, whatever, here we go. We're going to expose stupidities. Let's have fun with it. I'm just going to sit here. And I remember he said to his girlfriend, I ah, don't say that stuff around Tim. He doesn't, he doesn't like that shit, you know? And for me growing up where I grew and how up. how old were you at the time? Oh, 31, oh, okay, 32. Okay, okay. But growing up, I remember a friend of mine, one of my, my best friends growing up, and like proudly said, so this is South City, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up on Vienna, family, then went, moved to Tam Avenue, family still lives there, and uh, in St. Louis Hills, 63109, and um, I remember, God, I must have been like six or seven, and I remember... My, one of my friend's mom saying, you know, probably dropped the N-bomb, but I don't remember for sure. That wasn't the, the, the focal point that if one of them moves in, there'll be a for sale sign in the front yard the very next morning. And I remember asking my mom who grew up in Ladue and went trolling and married a South City guy for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, I said, why, why? And she goes, well, Timmy, you know, I can picture my mom saying this, even though it was, you know, 30 plus years ago, there are some people, and I know she wasn't this way. Cause like when she, she went to visitation, you know, tough, uh, and loved Motown. So I, this might be coming from my mm -hmm. mom. That's why I'm, okay. I was like the guy at St. Lucie high who was listening to NWA and, you know, Pete Rock, CL smooth ghetto boys in the early nineties. That was my shit. And I remember guys going, what? And they, cause they're listening to like grateful dead and, you know, they go, what in the fuck's going on with the South city kid, you know? And, uh, but you know, that's just what I liked. And I remember my mom saying, kind of going, I'm sure she's like, oh God, I got to answer this. She's going, well, there are some people who feel like if a black family moves in that they're not going to have the money to keep the house up and it's going to destroy the property. And I do recall, which I guess I'm kind of surprised I thought this way, like, you know, again, maybe I was 10, maybe, but I think I was younger. And I said, but if they can afford the house, why wouldn't they have the money to keep the house up? Mm -hmm. Logic, I mean, yeah. Logically, think. And, yeah. and it's and it's just because 
So the destruction of the property value is not the black family moving in. It's the bigots who won't live there because the black family lives there. And it always struck me as being fucked up, hmm. you know? And so there was, a, uh, I guess, you know, growing up on Vienna, there was uh, two doors down, a um, black kid who was, who was adopted. He's one of my best friends, you know, in our neighborhood. Cause it's just a you know, small block, man. It's like 1950s New York. And didn't even, I didn't even think anything of it. Uh, it just didn't. But I just remember, if anything, it was almost like perhaps maybe I, why I am why I am now. It was almost like contrarian. Like it was like cool to be racist, even though we didn't know it was racist. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, this doesn't make sense. It's stupid. Here I am an Irish Catholic in South St. Louis during the 80s, and, I'm, and I've got Lakers posters all over my wall. Every motherfucker in South City has Larry Bird and Kevin McHale right. and the Celtics, but that's where I was, and I don't know why, but I mean, I'm just like, that's a much fun, more funner brand of basketball to watch. I'm not right. going, oh, Larry Bird's white, and they're called the Celtics, so I got to cheer for him, but I remember, I'm sure in my neighborhood, they're like, what's his deal with the Lakers, you know? I mean, how come he's not with us? Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't, and, and I, when I ran for student council president at St. Louis U High, my whole platform was, you know, each time we start a freshman class, we start with, and I don't know what it's like now, but in 1990, maybe 10 or 15 black students. By the time we graduate four years later, there's like three left. We got a problem here. That's not how you win an election, right. but that's how I felt. And so, and that's what I wrote. And I remember, you know, I'm, I'm God, I don't even know if I voted for myself. I mean, nobody voted for me, but it's how I felt. And I didn't want to hide it because I thought it was a problem. And so... I've always felt incredibly strongly about it because it's wrong. And then I look at our metropolitan area and I feel like the reason why we're held back is because we have this artificial Mason Dixon line along Del Mar that, 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 that destroys our community working together, but rather we go, Oh, well, you can't go up there. You know, go there. You're going to work with them. I don't know about working there. I mean, and I feel like we are hurting ourselves as opposed to working together. And it's all based on like this, 19th century stupidity and it really fucking bothers me and so that's another reason why when if we were to have the conversation on the radio I know what the text inbox is going to look like and I don't think it's necessarily people even recognize that they carry traits of bigotry but you don't win any friends by calling them a bigot you know and so I would rather have the conversation like this Hmm. as opposed to me scolding somebody on the radio or if Doug or the cat or the plowhawk or Iggy or Pete said something and, and I'm like, oh shit, they're going to get into trouble for saying it. I would rather have a conversation and hear what your experience is like as opposed to me saying, well, this is going to be a great moment for me to tell you how wonderful I am by saying, I think racism is wrong. No shit, you know, but why not have my audience, many of whom I'm sure 20, 30, 40, 50 somethings, mostly white probably, hear what your experience is like as opposed to just some fucking echo chamber of a white guy going, man, that shit in Minneapolis was no good, but how about the looting? You know, yeah. let's hear what this is like. But I'll ask you this. As we talked about, you know, race relations, why would somebody want to change a system that benefits them? Yeah, you know, it's a, so gra- it's, a gra- it's a great question. Because when I vote, I vote, I guess, against my own economic interest. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess it's better for Donald Trump to be the president yeah. than for Joe Biden, for me, I guess, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the cutoff is on income, but I guess it is. Cause I know, I mean, Hey, listen, when I'm playing golf, you know, I'm very confident most of the time I'm the only guy who voted for Barack Obama. You know, I, I don't, you know, I mean, not across the board, right. but certainly, you know, <laughs> when I'm playing with the guys who've been playing all their lives, let me put it that way, mm-hmm. you know, as the, as, as it works out. 
but it doesn't matter. I do what I think is right. It doesn't matter if it, if it harms my, so, okay, so I'm paying more in tax. To, to me, that doesn't matter. It's not, it's not right. If a system is wrong, the system is wrong. But you're I don't looking care at if it, it from it. others than self. Right. So again, how do you change a system? Where I understand. The people that so are on I, top. So I talk about it. You know, the people are on top that are living comfortably, you know, have the things, you know, the money, the, the material things. Why would they want to change the system? You know? I get it. And, and I, and I don't I know how. I, I don't know how you break. Well, I don't. That. I don't think. That, I don't think there is a how. I, I recall, and I, I cite him often, and I guess it's to a point now where it's almost a parody. But Jack Danforth, because I look at him. I mean, because because to me, he represents somewhat similar to what we're talking about here. Here is somebody who is an Episcopalian priest and a Republican who, had he wanted to be, I think could have been George W. Bush's running mate in two thousand. And he recognizes why the Republican Party has had a resurgence in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and now the teens. Uh, and it's because they hooked up with the religious right in 1980 and Jerry Falwell and so on and so forth. And here he is, a religious man, but he feels like it's wrong because their version of religion and Christianity, he goes, this isn't Christianity. And I would know since I'm a priest. And yes, I recognize advancing policies that I believe in as far as a Republican, but we're going about it the wrong way. And in his book, he said, I oftentimes think a person can have more impact on the people around him by being a person talking as opposed to by being a person running for office. Because if you're running for office, people wonder if you're really saying what you mean as opposed to just fucking off on a podcast or a radio show where I have nothing to gain. If anything, I, I alienate people by saying I would never under any circumstances vote for Donald Trump. It really, I don't even know who could run and I'd go, well, fine, fuck it, you know? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, 10 years ago, I said, there's no fucking way I'll ever vote for Hillary Clinton. Well, we found the circumstance, <laughs> right. you know? Exactly. But but I, but I that's how I operate. Because to me, we're better by the greater good being better. And that's how exactly. I view, that's how I view things. So, but I recognize it's like okay, well, you make a nice living, I guess. You know, maybe you should vote for whatever's going to keep, keep more money in your right. pocket. But I don't really. That's not how I think. So I also understand. You know, Pete and I talk about it often because I think our moms are both from the same school of thought. Um, if you have a, a candidate, whether it be presidential or otherwise, if the candidate is pro-life, the candidate will get our moms' votes. And that's no, all it takes. No matter what. No matter what. Single issue voter. As no I'm sure that what. might be the case for mm -hmm. somebody in the gay community. You know, yep. Michael, oh, this motherfucker, God. But, you know, at least he's pro my rights. And I and I and I don't fault people for that. I think that's why you have this odd mm -hmm. mix of, you know, the, the the support amongst evangelicals and Catholics that Donald Trump has because it's pro life. And I understand it. But for me, it's about who do I think in a moment when he or she are by themselves and they have to make a decision that it will hurt their own presidency or their own legacy in office, but what they're going to do is going to be the right thing for the greater good. And I'm going to vote for the person who's going to do what is the right thing for the greater good. And that's how I view it. So I like to talk about this stuff, even though I recognize it could be harmful, even though I recognize it could hurt, you know, my career, I guess but I don't want to be disingenuous with the audience, you know? And, and that's why I think it's important to have the conversation, but I think doing it on the radio, especially when we're not all in the same place, you know, I, I, I think we could have had a bad discussion. Whereas having you come in here and it's basically me and you one-on-one -on -one, gangster Pete, uh, in the studio, 
it's more authentic. It's more real. And plus I get a chance to listen as opposed to feeling like, Oh, I got to win the debate with Doug or the cat or whatever. You know what I mean? And we got to, we got to play it safe. If you listen to TMA, a lot of people use it as an escape and you're going to get it. If you tune in here, it's like, okay, Tim and Alvin are going to have a conversation about the George Floyd situation. If you don't want to hear it, don't click play. You know, you got to come and find it. Now, if you're pissed, we talked about it. I was like, why the fuck did you keep listening? We, it was clear what we were talking about from the beginning. But I want to have the discussion because I guess some people do want to hear my opinion. But what does my opinion matter? It's not like I'm pro-racism. I don't think anybody ever thinks that. I want to hear your experience, mm-hmm. not just your experience growing up, but what's your experience as a father of a 15-year-old and, and what your experience is when you see this? Because your reaction to it is going to be different than mine. And at this moment, I think your, your reaction matters a hell of a lot more than mine does. And so that's why I wanted to have you in, you yeah, know, and I'm that. so glad that you volunteered. No, what it. a great fucking idea. Anybody appreciate go, well, it. Tim, that was great. Don't use Alvin's idea. You know, I'm just like, shit, I'm going to do it. You know, I appreciate it. Oh man. Thank you yeah. so much for coming in. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I've enjoyed the hell out of the conversation. Gangster Pete. Uh, I'm very grateful for you coming in. Gangster Pete. Uh, we did this on the spur of the moment and he, he drove here and Alvin drove here and I'm like, I'm going to make sure I'm here. I was excited to hear what Alvin had to say, so I was happy to be here. Uh, Alvin, thank you uh, very much for uh, coming to the studios. I've enjoyed the conversation, and it uh, is not a surprise to me that you were uh, you, you you conveyed your thoughts and emotions very uh, very well, and then also told some stories that you know I think maybe help people understand you know, something that you can't. You know, I'm sitting here like right now, my wife can't sleep, and I'm trying to find somebody for. And it's like, if you can't, if you've never had a sleep problem, you're just like, oh, too bad. You didn't get a good night's rest, bitch. You know, f- you know, figure it out. Because I used to bitch about not even sleeping. People are like, oh, too bad. But I'm like, if you haven't lived it, you don't know what it's like. So how the That's fuck it. am I going to sit here and go, well, these black people shouldn't be rioting. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I still live it. Because, you know, the funny thing is, when I moved into my subdivision, I'm the first black guy to ever build a house in that subdivision. Now, you're so, a trailblazer of yeah, sorts man, for uh, Afton and for Fenton. I and, guess. <laughs> and to say about Afton was a great, great experience. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, tra- I wouldn't take it back for anything. See, I miss, my prejudice I miss, on Afton would have been you would have had a miserable oh, time. No, and I, I, I played baseball at Afton Athletics all my life. I'm like, this is great to hear. I, you had I a great experience. Everything so about fuck it. me for being prejudiced on that about it. Yeah, it was a great experience for me. Yeah, you know. You always, you know, you can't live life without, you know, can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Yeah, that's right. And it happens. But overall, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. That's awesome, man. Well, that was great to hear. And I, and I think what this does for people who might be like, well, I mean, you just brought in some angry black guy who happens to listen to your show. That's not the case. And that's mm-hmm. why I wanted to lay out your background also that you went to Afton High School. Um, because this isn't, this isn't like, okay, Alvin's got his agenda and he's going to be running for office or Alvin's in office and he wants to keep an office or Alvin's part of the NAACP and he wants to, you know, raise money. This is just a guy who is concerned and here are his experiences. And I thought that's the most authentic way to have the conversation. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate for being here, brother. It. Thank you, yes, man. sir. Alvin Mack, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Gangster Pete, for driving back to the studios to do this. And thank you to our audience for listening to the discussion, the homeloanexpert.com, Ryan Kelly, a wonderful sponsor, James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Also, we are very lucky to have a new sponsor on the podcast, Restoration One, Jim Rogers and his incredible staff saved my basement last year, design air, heating and cooling as well. And Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. Gangster Pete and I will do another QFTA 
uh, this week, but we wanted to have this discussion once Alvin offered up to, uh, to be part of it. Very grateful for his time. And thank you to everyone for listening. You're always welcome to give us feedback or questions. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com for Gangster Pete. And for Alvin Mack, I'm Tim McKernan. So there it is, Alvin Mack in studio here on the Tim McKernan Show. Couldn't be more grateful for him coming in, um, especially spur of the moment and telling the stories he told, giving the perspective he gave. And um, and then from my standpoint, just helpful. Just helpful. And good to have the conversation. You know, and I guess, you know, Alvin jokingly said, uh, I'll be your Robin Quivers today. Uh, you know, and, I, and, and you know, on the surface you go, oh, I'll, I'll be, the, I'll be the, the black person in the studio. But I always have thought that Howard Stern, and maybe I'm wrong on this, and I know I, I think he's talked about it, that people assumed that he had Robin Quivers in studio to give him cover um, should he get accused of being a bigot or a misogynist. Um, and I... I, I think that that probably was the, the strategy. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. Uh, but either way, I know from my standpoint, my comfort level on having this conversation increased exponentially as opposed to if it was just me and Pete sitting here um, or if it was the, the the six white guys on on TMA. I want to talk about it. I wanted to talk about it and I want to continue to talk about it. But what position am I in to have the conversation? Of course, I can have the conversation. It's not like I'm not allowed to have the conversation, but I want to understand better. I want it to be an informed position, an informed opinion. And I also want to give something to the audience that they may not be able to get elsewhere. Um, this really wasn't about bettering the podcast business uh, or bettering um, yeah, anything. It was just about, honestly, I, I would have done this if it were me and Alvin sitting out and having a beer and having a conversation. Actually, there just happened in this case to be a microphone. So, um, thank you to Alvin for coming in and, uh, sharing his experiences and his perspective. Uh, really appreciate And I was just like not having a politician and not having, you know, I just here, this is, this is what I think. I'm a guy and I recognize most people don't know who I am, but this is what I think. And there's zero agenda on either part of the people participating in the conversation. So thank you to Alvin. Thank you to Pete for coming in. Thank you to Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert.com. Thank you to James Carlton, the Carlton state farm insurance agency. Thank you to design air heating and cooling. Thank you to restoration one. And thank you to Mark Hanna for sponsoring our guests every week here on the Tim McKernan show from the home loan expert.com studios on the inside STL podcast network. Peloton let's go this holiday. With the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.